It's good to see everyone here today, and uh, I know we have a number of people sick this week. I think there's been some type of uh, COVID outbreak uh, around in different states and cities, if you've been listening to the news, and so I think it kind of hit Denver as well, but we have a number of people that are sick with that, so please keep everyone who is sick in your prayers, praying for them. Uh, It's a nasty, nasty man-made virus. I won't say anything more. Um, but anyway, uh, be praying for each other. And then also keep in uh, mind as well those who are struggling with, um, you know, more serious illnesses within our community and health challenges. And we know uh, those who are sick among us. And so I want to encourage you to continue to pray for them and for their healing and for their restoration um, as we go into the weeks ahead. So praise God. All right, just a reminder again, Tuesday night Bible studies. We're looking at the book of Acts from a first century Messianic Jewish perspective. It's going to be slightly different than what you find in most commentaries. So we encourage you to come out and uh, rediscover the excitement of the book of Acts and all that it has in there for us. We're in chapter two this week. Uh, It was amazing. We had a great time. We had a small group, uh, but we had really amazing dishes. We had some ravioli. I was salads, pasta. Uh, we had authentic chicken nuggets, not the fake ones, but yeah, it, and I don't even eat chicken. I think I had like 15, but anyway, and we have fresh veggies. That's right. You got to have plenty of your fresh veggies and uh, fruits and stuff. So anyway, we had a great time of just fellowship and eating and then diving into the book of Acts. And so if you're hungry, literally and spiritually, this is the place to get fed on both accounts. So we encourage you to come out on uh, Tuesdays if you're not doing anything and, and uh, dive into the fellowship. So great. I'm in um, the book of Acts still. And uh, or what I should say is the theme of Shavuot, which is in the book of Acts, preceded, of course, by Exodus 20 in the first great Pentecost. But I am just moving into this whole realm of the Spirit, the outward Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. This is our season. This is our outreach, the time that most people kind of get together. It's the summer months. It's warm. It's nice. So uh, I'm just really kind of working that and seeing what God is doing and trying to equip us to have a great summer of outreach and fun. So uh, what I'm diving into is Uh, the first letter of John, uh, chapter 1. And I've entitled this, Experiencing God's Presence. You know, it's in Him that we are saved and delivered from the dark, cruel haunts of this world. Jesus saved us out of those. Think of where you were before you encountered Jesus. There's a lot of dark places that lead to places of misery and, and death. And here's Jesus saving us from that. Sometimes we fall back into those. And he's so faithful, he comes and he saves us again. He delivers us again from the clutches of the darkness all around us. He's an amazing, loving Savior. And it's in his presence that we come under the compassionate rule and reign of God. And we begin this journey of experiencing life as God intended it for us. Acceptance, healing, a sense of belonging, new beginnings, new beginnings. You know, we were doing this in our intercession this morning. Uh, We had a passage that Linda gave us that dealt with 
uh, God's mercies. And it states that his mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Your mercies new every morning. Think about that. I don't know about you, but I need mercy every day. And I find it in him. He's so faithful. He's so good. We have our new beginnings. These are just a few of the experiences that we have in him. And yes, there will always be fiery challenges in this life. They come to every one of us. No one's accepted. But with God's presence, we can overcome all of them. As we immerse ourselves, as we're baptized and immerse ourselves in the Holy Spirit, it's in that realm that we discover the love and the power and the presence of God. So let's explore the gift of his presence in the letters of the Apostle John. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1. Think about this for a moment. This is the same John who wrote the Gospel of John. You're going to pick this up in terms of the phrases that he uses. It's the same John who also wrote the book of Revelation. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, and what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Hallelujah. So think about, think about this, uh, about John, and how powerful his words are as he orients us to who Jesus is. All of the metaphors that he employs as, as he describes the Son of God. It's so powerful. It's so inviting. You know, it's, in fact, it, John really is one of the big, big thinkers when it comes to the triune nature of God. And really kind of helping us to understand what it means to be fully God and fully human. That, that's what we see in Jesus, the Son of God. So anyway, powerful, powerful uh, um, views and ideas about Jesus. Paul presents him as the word of life. He says Jesus is the word of life. He is the word who is with God and is one with God. He is one with the Father. John also says later on, he's also one with the Holy Spirit. That the three of them are equal in essence, but distinct in personhood. The Father's fully God, the Son's fully God, the Holy Spirit's fully God. But the Son isn't the Father, and the Father isn't the Son, and the Father isn't the Spirit, and the Spirit isn't the Son. They're three distinct persons who share equally 100% in the essence that we call God. One God manifest eternally in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, John and the other apostles, except for Paul, actually saw Jesus. They actually saw God in human flesh and blood. The Son of the living God is the incarnation of the Father, of God himself on earth as a human being. They saw him. They talked with him. John was one of those who lived with him. In fact, he was mentored by this eternal one, the one who preexisted eternally as the Son of God, now in flesh and blood, Yeshua of Nazareth. In his gospel, he calls Yeshua Hamemra. That's Aramaic for the word. 
He says he's the living word, the life-giving word of God. In his letter, he calls him the word of life. He is the living word who imparts life through himself. 1 John <clears throat> chapter 1 and verse 2 says, This life was revealed, and we have seen and testified and declared to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. The eternal, indestructible, immortal life of God was and is present in Yeshua. See, this is very important for us. All of humanity seeks for this immortal life. All humans desire to live forever. They don't want to die. They want to live forever. It's deep within us. It's how God made us. We long for this eternal, indestructible, immortal life. Remember the movie Avatar? How many people saw Avatar? Yeah. See, this is the push for humanity to find a way to somehow move our consciousness into something that doesn't like die, an avatar, right? What? It's the push for immortal life. Everyone desires to live and not die. But this life, this immortal life, it's only contained in one person, God. He alone possesses immortal life. That's what it says. He alone possesses immortal life. No one else has that. We're going to be clothed with it. We who believe in Yeshua in the resurrection will be clothed at that time. And it's at that time that we become immortal. But until then, we're mortals. And it's only in God that immortal life exists. And he has taken that life and he's given it to his son. And his son is the one who gives it to others. It's only in Jesus. We're going to look at this later in Paul's letter and how he basically says what Jesus already stated, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through the Son. Jesus is making the claim that there's life only in me, no other. And outside of me, you have no life. Now, there are two deaths embedded in the creation and its design. The first death and the second death. The first death is a universal death. It's temporary and universal. The other one is limited and permanent. The first death comes to everyone. Everyone will die. No exceptions to the rule. Everyone's gonna die. And then everyone is going to rise. Everyone dies and everyone rises. Believers in Yeshua will rise to eternal life, bliss, blessings, rewards, purpose, meaning, etc., etc. But for those who rejected Yeshua, the Messiah, they will rise to experience damnation and annihilation in the lake of fire. The lake of fire is called by this same author, the second death. It is the eternally permanent and irreversible death. Irrevocable annihilation and immutable 
extinction. And then after that, there will be a new immortalized eternal heavens and a new immortalized eternal earth for those who believe to explore, to enjoy, to participate in ruling and reigning over for all eternity. Let's come back to 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. He goes on to say, What we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you may have fellowship with us. Just as we're here to reveal to you what he revealed to us, so that you may have fellowship with us. The 12 who lived and touched and saw him and know him, we want to invite you into this fellowship. Yeah, the fellowship. Think about that for a minute. What's a fellowship? Remember the Lord of the Rings and the fellowship of the ring, right? We have a lot of fellowships in our world. Think about academic life or sports or any of our great institutions. They all provide fellowships. And for those that come up and meet the criteria, they get to become part of a limited, specific fellowship where they all kind of gel together and enjoy the blessings and, and uh, what they've achieved and been called into. So a fellowship is basically a club of friends where there's companionship, mentorship, communion. In fact, that's where we get our word community. Do you know that our community, every local community, is a fellowship, right? And you really can't belong to a local community unless you meet the criteria. You know what that criteria is? Belief in Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, you get to join a fellowship of believers where only believers have that status and that standing. This is a place of peace, of acceptance, of grace, and conflict, right? Because we all are in the process of transformation. We're all growing in the Lord. We still sin against one another. So in every local body, yes, there are problems because you're here and I'm here. People complain all the time, oh, I don't go to church, you know, all, all these problems. Well, what church do you go to? Well, I don't go to church. Well, good, because if you did, that church wouldn't be perfect either because you're not perfect, so stay home until you have some humility and then you can join and understand that, no, there are no perfect churches, no perfect fellowships, but it's in that place that we can grow together, resolve our conflicts, and enjoy the communion that God has given to us through his spirit. He goes on to say in verse 3, Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Yeshua, the Messiah. This is where the fellowship originates. God has a fellowship. And you've got to meet the criteria in order to be part of His fellowship. And it's that faith in Jesus that you and I get our introduction into the fellowship of God, which on earth is manifested in local congregations. Now, I don't know about you. I love being part of a fellowship, a club, right? That only certain people can belong to. That's part of the sizzle. Is that wrong? Is that wrong? No. But I love that. And I don't miss it for anything. I'm here week in, week out at the appointed times because there is sizzle in community. 
It's exciting to be part of a body of believers that have shared values and shared beliefs, shared mission and vision. That's where we grow. That's where we connect. That's where we experience the fellowship of the Most High God, His Son, and the Holy Spirit. 1 John 1, 4. These things we write so our joy may be full. These things we write so our joy may be full. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is joy. That quality of happiness that we all desire and look for. It's found in Him. It's found in Jesus. And through Jesus, that life of God comes to us, bringing that joy that governs our lives. You know, there's a quality of existence that comes from the Spirit of God that will see you through any hardship. There's, there, there can be joy in the midst of trial, in the midst of tribulation, in the midst of sickness, in the midst of loss. There can be a quality of joy that helps you through that. How much is that worth, right? The joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, we went to a Sean Flett concert in Boulder. Uh, I, got, I got invited by some young people here. Thank you. Thank you for thinking of the senior pastor once in a while. <laughs> senior pastor is in senior citizen. I don't know. But anyway, thank you for thinking of me. And so uh, Justin and Shanna took me and Minister Don up to Boulder, and we had an outdoor concert with Sean Fett. Fett and I hope I said his name right, but uh, I don't know if you've listened to his music. He's out of Bethel. He's been doing like concerts throughout the United States and just bring the message of the gospel and of action to, to live that out and engage people with this life that's being given through Yeshua. So here we are, and, and in the backdrop, we're, we're on a hill, and the stage is down below us, so they're kind of facing us, and we're up kind of on this hill that comes up. Outdoor concert is just great, it's just loud, it's energetic, it's just amazing. And right at the beginning, of course, comes in the background, out in, in a field, uh, probably 30 yards away from us because there was a fence line. We were on private church property and there was a fence line. So they were on the other side, the rainbow clouds and all the you know, people and they came up and it was just, I, I don't know how to describe it without, I don't want to be too graphic, but it was just nasty. And the posters and what they said they wanted to do to us, which was just like, just sexual perversion stuff. It was just defiling, nasty, the, the, the way that they presented themselves and the anger, the anger. Oh, they were so angry and they're chanting just filth, just defi. They, they were doing everything they could just to shut down this concert. And they had like uh, powered up uh, Amplified uh, uh, stuff that was just as filthy and they had just sirens and stuff. They just, it was just chaos and defilement. And I'm thinking to myself, do you know Sean Fouette? Didn't you watch him on YouTube? You could have saved yourself the trouble because you cannot shut down this move of God. You cannot shut it down. It's, it's a move of the Spirit. And Sean, he just played and played and they're doing all their stuff and, and, and he was just so gracious. He was so gracious. And I even came up. I was, I was, I was, in the front, I made, made my way to the front, and from me to like the front row here, you know, I see this older woman on stage, and uh, she's wearing uh, platform shoes, sparkly 
platform shoes, platforms on the front of her sole, and then big heels on the back of the sole, kind of boots, shiny, glossy, you know, some of you wear when you're like teenager. But I'm thinking, man, she looks like she's upper 40s. But, you know, it's okay. Hey, dress the way you want to dress. I, you know, she's up there. She's kind of a background singer, and they got her mic down, you know. So I'm thinking, huh, that's interesting. I, I wonder if they're going to bring up any vocals or if it's just Sean, you know. Sure enough, sure enough, they give her the mic. She begins to sing. Her voice is booming, clear, powerful, anointed. I focused my eyes again. I'm thinking, no way. It's Kim Walker Smith from Jesus Culture. I almost got cash out just to give to Justin and Shana. It was such a blessing to take me up there and connect with one of the, uh, well, I, I, she really influenced, I, you know, I'm a baby boomer, and that was like when I was young, we watched Jesus Culture, right? So it's Kim Walker Smith. She was on a layover. They met at the airport. He says, come on out. If you're not doing anything, you're stuck here. Come on out and sing with us. And she did. So she was part of the, uh, the concert venue. So powerful, so anointed. It was just amazing in every way. Sean finally said, you know, we're going to sing a song about joy. It was spontaneous. It was, he, had, he just made it up by the Spirit of God leading him. And we're singing about joy, joy, joy. And we're dancing. And we're all jumping together. And joy this, joy that. Joy over our families. Joy over our nation. Joy over our institutions. Joy over... He's going, going, going. And he finally turns around to all the people that are doing nasty things. And he says, and joy on you, joy to you, joy over your lives. And he's just blessing them, asking for the joy of the Lord to be upon them. Yeah. They all like packed up their stuff, you know, and they got in the line and they all just got out of there. Just, just left. He, they just left. Sean says, isn't that funny? That's just so funny. Why would they just leave? He says, what is it about the joy of the Lord that just deflates the enemy's camp? He says, it reminds me of Psalm 2 where the nations are raging, they hate God, they're lashing out at him. And what does God do? He says he sits on his throne and he laughs. And if there's anything that drives the enemy batty, it's when we laugh and rejoice, even in the midst of an attack. I mean, who can endure that, right? So they laughed and we just went on to have such a great time up there. John says, we write these things so that our joy may be full. We need to learn to cultivate the presence of God, talking with him, relating to him, letting him fill us with his perspective and his presence so that we have this joy that marks our lives. It should be the earmark of our lives. I went to the Western Wailing Wall when I was in Israel with Don. And uh, in front of the wall, if you're facing the wall, to the left, they have tunnels. There's a tunnel. And I could hear a bunch of stuff going on in the tunnel. So I thought, I'm going to go down the tunnel, you know, see what's going on down there. So I went down the tunnel. I went deeper and deeper, and it opened up to this particular area. And there's all of these ultra-Orthodox Jews with the curls and the black and the white, and they're just all down there, and they're chanting, and they're davening, and they're praying, and so forth. But as I looked at those men, you know, they look kind of like the men on the outside by the wall just as grumpy frumpy as ever i'm thinking why is everyone frowning y'all have like that signature donald trump frown you know i'm thinking why is everyone frowning you know i could i just could not understand that yeah then later on another group of jews came the breslov 
the Breslov Jews. I don't know if you've heard of the Breslov. If you have, raise your hand. A couple of you have heard the Breslov. Now, the Breslov, they put blue in their tzitzit. They're the only ones, at least at that time, that were doing that. And the Messianics, well, we've been doing that from uh, the beginning, at least here in, in, in America. But uh, So all of a sudden, the Breslov show up, and uh, I noticed they got blue in their tzitzit, and I got blue in mine, which communicated to them that I'm one of the Breslov and that I must have came from New York and I'm visiting. But they thought I was Breslov. So they're like embracing me and stuff. And they're all singing and they're all smiling and they're all dancing and they're doing all their songs and they're all jumping in unison together and, and grabbing arms. And we, you know, and I'm just in there with all of them, you know, and, and this one guy comes up and introduces me and then starts speaking, I don't know, maybe, maybe Hebrew or Yiddish, I don't know. But he's trying to explain to the others who I was, because I think he thought I was one of them from like New York, because I heard New York with my name a couple times, so I think he just made some assumptions. Yeah, so, so I'm in there jumping and dancing around, and I thought to myself, now that is a group that understands the joy of the Lord, and you know what? You're going to be drawn to those groups, because everyone wants that joy. We live in a world that's so desperate for joy, that's so racked with misery and pain and loss and sorrow and confusion that when we have joy in our life, people are drawn to that. I want to encourage you as a congregation. I want to encourage us to press in. Ask God to fill us with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Get your joy on. Develop it, cultivate it, swim in it, and let that permeate your lives, right? I want everyone, everyone that comes up here, come up with Torah reading, you come up for whatever, all the different things we do up here. Before you speak on this microphone, I want you to smile, just smile. Show some joy. Then pick it up and do what you're going to do. That's important for us to have that. You know, a smile is remarkable, isn't it? It's so inviting. When you smile at someone, puts their heart at ease, opens up the doors, it just says, welcome, welcome, welcome. We need to do that. It's not enough to have the joy of the Lord. You got to actually communicate that to others. It's, it's the purpose given to you is so that you can give it to others. How do you give that? One of the initial ways that you give that to another person is with a happy face, a face with a smile. Yeah, that's one of the ways that we communicate the love of God with those around us. Hallelujah. You know, prophetic actions are really important too. So whenever you learn something, when you do actions commensurate with what you've learned, it helps cement that and make that real in your life, right? So one of the things we do in this congregation is we dance, you know? So moving from the pew out to the dance floor is a whole different experience. Because all of a sudden, a lot of different things happen when you start dancing, right? I mean, it takes some humility, number one, which is a good thing, because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So just coming out, you have to kind of like swallow your pride a little bit, because you know you're going to bumble around a little bit, or if you're like me, a lot, and everyone's watching you because you're in a congregational setting with a congregational dance. So it takes some humility to do that. But I know, I know by experience that after you start dancing, after a while, it's like, man, it, this is like awesome, right? Ah, I'm so glad I was raised Catholic. 
you know? When we talk about the unity of Messiah, we're not talking about us and the harvest getting along. We're talking about us getting along with Catholic believers, Lutheran believers, Baptist believers, Presbyterian believers, Seventh-day Adventist believers. We're talking about in Messiah, we are all one. And we all have our strengths and our weaknesses. And we love to point out everyone else's weaknesses. We should be pointing out everyone's strengths and then minimize the weaknesses. We got weaknesses too. We don't have all the truth. We have weaknesses in the Messianic movement, right? So we should understand this bigger element of unity and that God's working in all of these different areas of the body of Messiah. Catholic, though, I was born and raised Catholic. I love that. Stand up, sit down, kneel, genuflect. You know, I mean, it's like, it's like you have to learn what you're doing when you're doing. It's amazing. I remember I was an altar boy, you know, and uh, we'd come out of the side, you know, a couple of altar boys in front of the priest and behind the priest. You have to watch the priest because every priest is a little bit different. So you march out with the priest, you know, come up, you face the altar. Now the priest is going to, got to get up here. The priest is going to genuflect, one knee down, touches the floor, come back up. Or he's going to bow, okay? Or it's going to be like a quarter bow. <laughs> yeah, so. So. You're up there, you're waiting, you kind of kind of watch them out of the peripheral vision of your eye, right? You always want to start with the bow. Don't go into genuflect, because if you genuflect and you're the only one and he doesn't, no, you're done. Altar boy prison. <laughs> so you got to come watch. So I, I, I learned to start to bow. If he's going down, go down. You can still do it, you know? Or quarter bow, come back up. Don't get ahead of him, right? You have to do that. There's times in which you bow. It's an act of reverence, an act of worship. There's times that you genuflect. There's times that you kneel before the Lord in the service, every service. There's times you stand. These are all acts of worship tied to liturgy. It's the heart of worship. And then you get a sit. Guess when you get a sit? For the homily, for the preaching, you get a sit. But these other forms of activity are designed to have you engage your soul with the king of kings. He's not just a friend. He's more than that. He's the king of heaven. He's the most high God. And you show that by standing or kneeling or bowing at the different points in the service. I think we do a good job with that. That's what I love about liturgy. You know, part of that orientation is what was brought into our early phase as a church and what we were designed to do in terms of our services that's why we do what we do i i wish we had something to kneel on we don't i'd figure out a place where we could all kneel during our service but i want to do actions that are commensurate with what we're learning about who god is part of cultivating the presence of god is doing things that engage your heart sometimes when i'm at home and i'm praying i'll actually you know after I'm, you know, thinking of something maybe God's done for me or his mercy or you know, his provision or whatever, sometimes me and Don, we just get completely prone, laying face on the ground before the Lord. Now, we don't have to do that. He knows our heart. And it's really not for him. It's for me. 
Because when I lay down face to the ground, it engages my soul and it reminds me of the greatness and majesty of God being a king and not just a friend. So that's why we do what we do. That's why we do things, prophetic actions, to engage our hearts and our souls as it relates to the things that we're learning. So I said all that to say, if you're having problems smiling and, and feeling joyful, do some things that will make you smile and be joyful. Learn how to trigger that, how to cultivate that. You know, we have happy hormones. Now, I, don't have to, I might have to argue with you on that. You might say, I, I don't have any. Let me say this. We all have anger hormones. No one will argue with me on that one. Usually seen when, when we're driving behind someone for whatever reason thinks they have to go the speed limit. <sighs> okay, but here's the deal. Happy hormones, you can release those. Your brain has chemistry. What you believe and think can trigger your brain chemistry, which then releases hormones, which gives you your emotional impact. Yeah, man, cultivate that joy of the Lord in the front of every Breslov synagogue. Guess what they have outside in the front of their synagogues? We put crosses out, you know, or you might put a Star of David if you're Messianic or whatever, but you have these emblems out in front of your, your, your communities, right? You know what they have in front of every Breslov synagogue? They have a big slide, like at the playground. They have a slide. Why would you put a slide in front of your synagogue? So you can go down it. It's not a symbol. It's a slide. So you know what you do in the Breslov community? You show up on Shabbat and you go up and go down the slide at least one time before you can go into the synagogue. Yeah, you got to go down the slide. Now, of course, if you're too young or too old or can't do it, that's certainly an exception. But they try to encourage everyone, go down the slide at least once. I'm going to go down three times in honor of the triune nature of God, okay? But you go down, and, and, and the idea is this. They know this. When you do a prophetic action like that, you know, you're going to be grumpy frumpy till you begin your motion down the slide, and all that's going to change. And by the time you hit the bottom, especially if you miss your feet, you're going to have a smile from ear to ear, and it's going to change you emotionally, and it's going to put you in the right frame of reference when you come into that synagogue because our appointed times are seasons of great joy. So I'm going, to, I'm going to encourage you this week, and we'll get back to our text next week. I want to encourage you this week. Find your slides. What is it that engages you and releases happy hormones? And as long as it doesn't violate the scriptures, and marijuana does, so you can't do that. Okay, but things that are ethical, moral, and good that trigger your happy hormones, do those. Learn to cultivate that. Get the joy of the Lord. Be like King David, who prepared himself before he came into the temple. He was already singing and dancing before he, you could hear him blocks away. Oh, here comes David. I can hear him. Yeah. Yeah, he's prepared himself to cultivate the presence of God and engage God in that process. Worship leaders do that all the time. People that are worship leaders and involved in worship, 
they do that all the time. We can learn from them. We can learn from those that really have a heart for worship. They got that part down. So anyway, that's it for now. Shabbat Shalom. We'll pick this up next week. May God just bless you with his life through his son. And may this week be breakthrough, a breakthrough week for you and yours. And may your joy rise this week. In fact, Elliot, as you come up, I just want to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, come on up, Elliot. In Jesus' name, Father, I pray, go ahead and stand, go ahead and stand. I pray, Lord God, that you will just blow on your people. Just receive from the Lord. Lift your hands. Father, I pray that you will just blow on your people. Just fill them with your spirit. Give them that joy unspeakable and full of glory. Father, we want to be a people full of joy that we might draw people around us to this life that is absolutely amazing and meaningful in every way. We love you. Thank you for the life of Messiah in us. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Come, raise the bar of joy in our hearts, in our lives, in our families, in our businesses, in our nation and world. We pray in Yeshua's name. Amen.